All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. That game last weekend still doesn't make a lot of sense time. Still feels like summer outside, though, so that's good time. I'm not sure how many answers we're going to have in this podcast time. How much different is that than usual time? Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast, got the full crew in the house, Fort Rucker Studio. Happy Thursday morning, everyone, if this is when you're listening to this. If not, happy Thursday afternoon, evening, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, maybe even Saturday afternoon. Hope you're having a good one out there. Got the full crew in the house, Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan working clockwise here in the studio. Fellas, uh, you may have missed it. Pretty sure you didn't because I was sitting next to all of you, but uh, not such a good game for the Vols over the weekend. We had a lot to talk about there. One of the worst losses in Tennessee football history, 38-30 to to Georgia State. Over the weekend at Neyland Stadium, the Vols, who were kind of a trendy pick for some people to, to make a big step forward this year, suddenly find themselves uh, really, really far behind the eight ball to start the season. Uh, and then they have a much tougher game coming up this Saturday. We'll have much more on that in a bit. The Vols host BYU. The Cougars come into town on Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Uh, I think the crowd will probably be up for that one. Uh, there will be beer in the stands. Because there will be beer in the stands. And I didn't even put that on the outline, but I'm really glad you mentioned that, Pat, because we needed to mention that on this podcast. We, and we also need to get some beer in the press box, I think. Yeah, we could. If that, any of you listeners are out there and you're at the game, and I, if, if you want to you know, the, the game will let be, me know, and, and I'll come down and get, get some beer and bring it up and the, see if they let me in the press box. The, the game won't be yeah. that entertaining necessarily, so I think we just should send one of the four of us around to do beer reviews. After the game. Beer review. How about beer runs? This Coors Nerd. Light tasted like Coors Light. <laughs> this cheap beer tasted like nickels. Well, but just, it wasn't cheap. It was $12. Well, just reporting on how bad the lines and how, the service and everything. There's going to be so much whining about What if it how, goes really well, though, Ryan? Maybe, maybe it will. And, and I don't care what anyone says. The first game in Neyland Stadium in history with beer being a BYU game is one of the funniest freaking things that you could possibly it's have. It's pretty funny. And that I will never not laugh at that. I, I, Ten years from now... Someone mentions that, I'll be like, oh, yeah, remember that? That was funny. So there's plenty to discuss there about BYU. We'll get to that later in the program. Uh, We'll also try to dissect what exactly happened there on Saturday, if that makes any more sense to us now. But before that, we got some news to get to, fellas. Uh, Two more uh, have left the hen. Two more have left the, uh, the house. Two more hens. Is it hens leaving the hen house? What do you call it? I don't know, but you butchered it. Yeah, I did, but what do you call it? (laughs) I don't know. Hens leaving the hen house, I guess. There you go. Hens leaving the hen house. Got a couple of Tennessee players, a sophomore cornerback, third-year sophomore cornerback, Terrell Bailey, and uh, more noteworthy, I suppose, junior wide receiver Jordan Murphy have left the program. And and Jordan Murphy had a a pretty interesting couple of weeks. Uh, One's a pretty touted receiver prospect coming to Tennessee from Mississippi a few years ago, fellas. Uh, He he had a pretty decent start to preseason camp, was a guy who has shown in in the past an ability to make some plays. Uh, but then he gets really, really sick. Uh, has to spend, I think, one night in the hospital. Uh, the night before the first game of the week, the first game of the season, he's pretty sick. He, he wasn't able to get back together, get get it back together in time to play. Um, but he sure did tweet a lot. And then he had a tweet after the game, laughing about Georgia Southern or Georgia State coming to uh, to Watson and to take all that money Tennessee gave him to to beat them. And so after that, um, whatever happened, uh, Jordan Murphy was back out at practice uh, early in the week, and then uh, he was gone. Fellas, thoughts? Uh, yeah, it, it, 
there's going to be, I don't want to say there's going to be a lot of speculation. There already has been a lot of speculation. And uh, <clears throat> obviously this, this fan base is very, they're riled up right now. And, yep. um, and so the reaction to Murphy, Murphy's tweet was uh, pretty vitriolic, I'd say. And it's understandable. I mean, he, he shouldn't have tweeted it. Let's, let's, no. let's get that out of the way right now. Immature. Um, two, it, two things. It was objectively funny is, is number one. And number two, he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, and um, the the, but, the thought there is, if you're a competitor, that should hurt you. You shouldn't be ready to laugh. Yeah, at that and, shit. and well, he didn't even play in the game, so it kind of it right. kind of looks worse on on that. But um, I mean, yeah, he, he shouldn't have done it. But I also don't know that if you start running guys off because of what they do on social media, uh, and I said this on the board this week, that's a very slippery slope, and it sets a bad precedent yeah. because uh, I mean. And, and people can say, well, look at what he did compared to what Jawan Jennings did. Those are two different situations. There have been more, uh, I think, building up to what, you know, uh, to what they did with, with Jawan when they dismissed him. And I think at the time, everybody said that was a dumb decision when they when they dismissed him for his Instagram rant. So, yeah. And, and we're going to talk about Jawan, too. So, stay inter, tuned inter, for that. But, interim head coaches don't get to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that, that, that he needed to get run off because of what he tweeted. He shouldn't have tweeted it. But that's something that if you're, if you're this coaching staff, you. Uh, or even if you're the team leaders, if you want to handle it that way, you need to make sure that, you know, you need to talk to him about it, address it with him, and, and kind of move on from there. And I, what's weird to me is that he was at practice on Tuesday. Yep. And then Jeremy Pruitt kind of volunteers that he was asked uh, on the SEC teleconference around noon on Wednesday uh, about Terrell Bailey being in the transfer portal, which that happened on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, yeah, he's no longer on the team. Oh, by the way, Jordan Murphy's not on our team anymore either. So uh, just he kind of just kind of volunteered that. So, but again, Murphy was a guy that, uh, I mean, I think I thought going into the season he'd be a factor receiver. Yep. Um, and so he's a know, natural playmaker. Um, he's you know he's got some ability there, but uh, always had kind of trouble picking up the offense and kind of being consistent. Uh, but now he's going to looks like looks like he's going to be continuing his career. Is it, so far. Is, is it Terrell or Terrell? It's Terrell. I'm pretty pretty Good time sure. to learn. Yeah. On the way out the door. But hey, hey, I got to say it's been a tough year for Wes's ninjas. Yeah. Oh, boy. Here we go. Jordan Murphy was a ninja. He most certainly was. He There's, was a guy who, uh, you know, when you watch them in practice. Audible eye roll. <laughs> you know what, Grant? I can't. I'm, you're lucky I can't see you behind hey, this Grant, computer screen right that's now. That's why I said audible eye roll. Grant, there's one less hen in the hen house, okay? Yeah. It, or however that's saying. Two, two one less. One less ninja in the dojo. <laughs> one, I like that. I like that. That's a really good way to put that. Here's the thing about it, though, and I've talked to a couple of former Tennessee wide receivers. Uh, not just people laughing. Who, go, else oh, still, who else is still in the dojo? Well, that's an, I'm sorry. No, well, that's fine. Go on, people West. laugh and say, oh, of course you talked to Swain. So, yes, I definitely talked to Swain, but I talked to other people too, a couple other former Tennessee wide receivers and some other people who have watched practice. And, and they've seen, you know, sometimes in practice I'll see something and I'll say, mm, I think I know what I'm seeing there, but I want to take it to somebody who would know better and make sure that I'm seeing the right thing there. Because you watch practice. You just watch them go run routes. Jordan Murphy's the most natural wide receiver was the most natural wide Bastards. receiver on that team in terms of the way that he looks when he runs routes. Uh, really good hands, really good ball skills. He never catches it with his body. He's always extending. Uh, put, you've got really good hands. Uh, you know, for for a guy who's not big, he still has the ability to go get the ball in traffic downfield. He just naturally is a very good playmaker at the position, but he never picked up the offense very well. Uh, very clearly had some maturity issues along the way as well. And uh, he's someone that Jeremy Pruitt and the coaching staff did like last season. They just wanted him to have a really good offseason, pick up the offense better, and then he would give him a chance to kind of be that that different kind of playmaker because they have all those power forwards at wide receiver, and he's a different kind of guy. So that would have been nice uh, for, for them and for him to do that, but it didn't happen at Tennessee. And, uh, yeah, one less ninja in the dojo. 
Yeah, and he was a guy that you know made a couple of plays in, in that Kentucky game last year. I think had a, had yeah. a long catch and had like a sixty yard run on a reverse. So I mean, he, he's a guy that's showed some big play potential in the past, flashed it, but never really had consistency. And and, and again, I you know, and we should point out too that Pruitt did say that this was the decision of the players, as in Bailey and Murphy made this decision themselves, not yes. not like not the, team the players made. told him to leave. Yeah, yeah there. So and, and of course, I, I put that on the board and the and the uh, it was like the oh okay yeah right. I don't think anybody is buying it, but um and and you know you don't have to buy it if you don't want to. That's that's fine. But uh, I, I don't know that they ran him off because of what he tweeted. If you're going to do that, I think it would have happened probably fat, sooner than maybe that it did. But I also don't think that that's something that needs to be done but yeah my best guess is kind of my opinion yeah my best guess with murphy now with bailey it's just a matter of a guy who wasn't playing wanted to go somewhere he has some time left to play yeah Uh, he can go to a juco maybe and and then be able to play wherever he wants next season so uh, that would be a a smart move for him and and i think you know jeremy pruitt in the past has has been pretty willing to let guys go if they're trying hard and they're just not they're just not going to play much he wants them to go somewhere where they can play uh, so, so he's he's pretty open on that transfer policy. Uh, now, with Murphy, my my best guess here, and it is a guess, is that there was some kind of communication between them and him about that tweet and about some some different things. And I bet it didn't go well enough for them to to want to stay on the same page moving forward. That's that to me is the most logical conclusion to the way the Murphy thing went. Yeah, I think maybe saying it's mutual is maybe the best best way to go about it. Um, it maybe the best thought based on what we know right now, but. Uh, I mean, we we all were 19 and 20 once. You know, we did dumb stuff when we were that age. I mean, he he tweeted something dumb. It was oh. half a lifetime ago for Wes. Yeah, it was. Have, well, by the way, we should point out. Yeah, happy belated 40th birthday, Wes. He's right 37 now. years old. I turned 37 mm-hmm. years old. Born in 1982. Do the math. I read it on social media. It has to be true. Right. And Jawan Jennings saw said it on it. Twitter.com. Yeah, yeah. Jawan Jennings. You calling Jawan a liar? Uh, yeah, I am. When I'm, I'm saying Jawan Jennings was lied to by one of you jerks, and then he decided to let's go, to make a big not, scene out of it. Let's name names out here, man. Let's let's leave yeah. it all on the table. At, at me, bro. It was either <laughs> it was either Ramy or Mike Wilson. I'm not sure. It was either you or the dirty Kiwi one who who got to Jawan and and made that him congratulate me for my 40th birthday, and then said, "Go get you some sunrisers." <laughs> get you some sunrisers. Which which actually was uh, was making it worse because I've you know it's no secret I've been eating cardboard for a month, so. Uh, yeah, that this is not uh, th- that that was a good troll. That was a good troll. I'm going to give you credit for that. But but the situation Tennessee's in now, what does this mean? Both of these losses in terms of personnel for right here, right now, does it have any real impact on the team? I don't know, Bailey. No, Jordan Murphy, probably, maybe a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean they they've moved Jared Means back to wide receiver this week, um, and they've actually moved Aaron Beasley. I don't know for did you write that down? Is that something we're going to talk no, about? No, but there's some. It's, we, we need to talk about <coughs> um, both of those things. But the me, the means move is interesting because he's switching positions from one position where they lost a guy this week to another position where they lost a guy this week. So, uh, and Pruitt said Wednesday night that they're just thin. Um, I, I don't know. You maybe think that maybe moving him from corner maybe thinks they that Balaam Buchanan might come back at some point. Maybe yeah, that might be a stretch. Obviously, Bryce Thompson's situation is what it is. Um, he's got a court date. September 23rd. Right after the Florida game. Right after the Florida game. There's still some hope maybe that could be resolved before then, but, yeah, if it goes to that court date, that Um, doesn't bode well. Timing is everything in life. It is, but, you know, know, I I don't – you know, moving means is interesting because they don't really have a lot. Man, he's a good-looking athlete, though. corner. Um, You know, they've got Alante Taylor right now, Warren Burrell. I think Schamberg could play there if they need to, and then Kenneth George. And then kind of behind that, it's – I mean, they've got Kenny Solomon, who's a freshman who, you know, 
who knows who knows how he would handle handle it if he got out there. They still don't need any injuries um, at corner, but the situation yeah. there is better than running back at the moment. Yeah, and, and they moved Beasley. I think I think Beasley's uh, an insurance policy. But having yeah, said Beasley, that, Beasley interesting. The Beasley's the one who approached yeah. Pruitt and asked for the move. That's that's what's interesting is that he he sort of initiated that move. Of course, they moved Jeremy Banks to linebacker. That looks like it's going to stick. He played a lot uh, in the game uh, against Georgia State. Um, I think they saw some good things, but also. But he at times looked like a guy who was playing linebacker for the first time in a game. So, uh, and, and then Tim Jordan, we saw him on Tuesday. He looked, he was kind of gimpy on Tuesday. Had his ankle taped up pretty good. I didn't see any uh, tape on it on Wednesday, so he might be getting better. But um, I think he was just doing less in practice. And I do think it's interesting that Pruitt, when you know, when I asked him about Beasley and Means, he was talking about how they don't have you know they have three running backs: Eric Gray, Ty Chandler, Tim Jordan. And he mentioned Jordan, and then he mentioned two walk-ons. No mention of Carlin Phils and me. Maybe he just didn't want to try to yeah. say his name. I wonder, if, his name. I wonder if he was <laughs> sitting back there being like, hey, coach, I'm still, I'm still on the team back uh, here. And, and Phil's me. He's such I a mean, nice kid, he probably wouldn't say anything. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> he's, I, he's such a ridiculously nice I, kid. I, I mean, I watched him at practice on Wednesday. He's moving around kind of fine. He, he wasn't in uniform against Georgia State, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, he may not be as healthy as maybe his watch him in practice suggests. But. He also does, does have a redshirt year available for what it's worth. So if, if they if they decided they needed an insurance policy for next year, a guy who maybe with a year of practicing at the position full time could do something. I don't I don't really know, but you know Tennessee is going to have to and said this a few times now. They're going to have to borrow from Peter to to pay Paul because they're moving guys around here. And I did get that saying right, so all of you can buzz off. But they have to Whoa. rude. Oh, that was that was preemptive. Same strike. team, bro. That was a same pre- team. That was a preemptive strike, and I think if you really think about it, you understand why. Uh, it was. This is a situation though where they can move guys around, but no matter where they move guys, they're still going to have holes. It's like you're trying to put together a hundred piece puzzle, and you got about you know eighty seven pieces. You're not going to be able to put the full thing together right now. Or you're plugging leaks in a ship, and you're just trying to you know no matter what you do, you can't plug them all. You just have to pick which ones. Yeah, and that's where you know because Banks is moving from running back to linebacker, he stays there after the injury, but then they move Beasley over. You know, you lost a cornerback this week. Really, you lost two because Means goes from cornerback maybe to wide receiver, which is a better position for him physically anyway. He just looks like a million bucks running around out there. He looks like someone who's going to be a really good football player. So they have a lot of things to sort out there. And But I understand still why they're doing this. Now, if they're still doing this in October or November, I don't think that's a good look. But right now, I can understand why they're having to do some of these things. Well, and and these guys are athletes. I mean, even when Jared Means signed, I believe in December, I think Pruitt mentioned that at the time, we all saw him as a receiver, but he mentioned that you know that he was a guy they viewed as an athlete who could who'd play in the secondary if needed. Aaron Beasley, we knew, was a guy who could play really any of three positions, and what do you know, he's already played all three of them by early September. So, uh, you know, the, you're not just moving around guys who have no business moving around. They're guys who make sense for this. So, um, now that said, I think even after all these moves, I think what this shows you is this team is still dangerously thin at some positions, and we'll see if that comes up at some point during the course of the season, Tennessee's had some bad luck in recent years with injuries. So they're, you know, knocking on wood, hoping that that doesn't come into play, but there are a couple injuries at running back or cornerback or, uh, you know, at linebacker even from being in some danger. Um, it does, it does look like Batuli's getting better by the way. I think I should mention that. And, and when I looked at, at Tim Jordan this week, to me, it looked very much like they had it taped up pretty good going into practice on Tuesday and they wanted to, see if he could go and what he could do. And then they, just after a few plays, he went right over there back to the training table and they had to retape it again 
so very clearly there's something wrong there. So it looks to me like they wanted to see early in the week what he could do, and now they know. So now what they're doing is taking it very easy, not putting much pressure on it, trying to get him healed up before the game Saturday. Yeah. I think that, that that's to me what that looks like. So And with their thin numbers there, uh, you might want to go ahead and just put him in a walking boot and see if he can go on Saturday. Because uh, that's you know he didn't have a very productive game Saturday, but he has had some productive games in his career. Yeah, uh, and you have you don't have great numbers there. So it's a, it's a tough call. I mean, you need a third running back to play. I mean, could you get by this game with just uh, throw it a lot with just Chandler and Gray, and, and you didn't want to play Chandler in Saturday's game? You can't get by with so. anything at any position after Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, a, that's a th- it, it's all hands on deck, right? right yeah, right. so I, I get that, but yeah, it's a it's a tough call on on some of those guys uh, when when you are kind of kind of thin at some positions. You know, they they could clearly use Batuli back, even though I, I think you know Henry Toto and some other guys played pretty well at linebacker. They they still clearly could use Batuli's presence. So yeah, if, if there's a if there's a game day decision to be made on any any of those guys, I think you certainly. You don't want to force anyone to play before they're ready, but I think you do have to hope they're able to play because you really need a win. Yeah, you need a win pretty badly. Speaking of some uh, some some needing to win really badly and, and some guys moving around and some some player decisions here, I think we need to discuss the uh, the good old fashioned players only meeting on Sunday. Now, these things it. You, you go. It varies from person to person. We love these as fans and media. As, as to when these things matter, my personal vote is that ninety percent of them or so do not matter. Uh, your team's either going to show up and play ball and you're going to win, you don't or, or you're going to show up and you're going <laughs> to not play ball well and you're going to lose. I don't know that those kind of things matter too much. That's just my opinion. Because does this, does this count as a uh, players only meeting for us since we're all just the four of us together? Yeah, right? I think I think it does. I think it does. We, and we need to talk about a lot of things, and it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I but we're going to get this State. done. But yeah, we I thought we I thought our uh, I thought our content from that day was pretty good. Um, yeah. But when, but in, in all seriousness, I, I I've never been one to think these things really matter. I've covered some really bad teams, and not just at Tennessee, but other places, who had players only meetings, and they aired out some dirty laundry, and nothing changed. So I don't think that they're a bad idea, but I don't think they're just they're just this automatic quick correction like everybody thinks they are. Because I just I don't think it works. I would like that. I would rather, in this case, it happened than. Nobody's showing up on yeah, Sunday no, and saying, it, I'll just see you all Monday. Well, there's right. a lot of people out there that have been wondering how the team is responding and how it's taking it and, and are wondering, you know, how much do, do the you know do the players and the coaches care because they're not, you know, out there, you know, nobody was out there after the game giving Tim Tebow speeches or yeah. banging on the, you know, press conference podium table, whatever or anything. But this is a – I mean, I guess this is a sign that it means something to them. Now, again, I, I'll go back to what I said in our previous podcast – all the talk, all the players only meetings, every all this stuff is just it's just chatter right now. They need to uh, kind of walk the talk, if you will, and go out and actually play a play a better football game. Play a better play a better football game and play and win. I mean, even if they have to do it ugly, you just have to win. Find a way to win Saturday night and play with a lot more gusto. Yeah, than than they did against Georgia State. Well, I think fans are are happy to hear this because I one of the things that I think is discouraging the fans is they. I think they saw this team, the way it acted on the sideline, the way they ta- the players talked in the post-game press conference, and the way Jeremy Pruitt talked in the post-game press conference. I think one of the narratives that's out there is this team and these coaches don't care that much, and they aren't invested that much. And obviously that's not accurate at all. But no, I think Nobody puts in that much time and yeah. sweat and equity to, to not have pride about so, it. Yeah, so again, we'll, we'll, re- we'll reassure fans that's not an issue. They're just kind of putting on a good face publicly and not – they're not. They're not. They're trying not to panic, which I think is a good thing to do too in this situation. If you if you just if everybody goes around running around like their hair's on fire after one game, 
you're probably going to play with some panic in you in the minute things go bad in the next game. You know, that's that's not going to be a good response. And so then, And they probably know there's nothing you can say yeah. between this game and the next that people care about. And these were all polished veterans talking. Right. They, they know the deal. So, I, so I, I don't read much into that. But because of that, because that narrative was sort of out there, because people think, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's acting differently publicly now, not showing his butt on the sideline as much as he used to at times last year, that – you know, that it's good to see some fire. So I think people do like to hear about this, but like you, Wes, I, I don't think this is the end of the world, and I don't think it's a – you'd rather have it than not, I think. But at the, at the end of the day, does it mean this team's going to play any better Saturday? Probably not. I think that team was I mean, in it, shock. It, that's that's my – I think it, that team and those coaches were in shock Saturday. Yeah. I really do believe yep. that. It, it could mean they come out fired up. I mean – It could, yeah. It can't, it can't it hurt. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not or that we just we just don't know what it what, what it's going to produce or what kind of yeah. response it's a, it is. The better way to say it is we don't know that it's going to make any difference and you can't count on it making a difference. But, but I'm not surprised you don't think it will because you're a wet blanket. So. No, no, I'm not ouch, saying that it ouch. won't. Here we go. Here we I'm go. not saying that it won't. Let, let's hear saying, it. Speaking, hear of, it. Of, speaking of airing out dirty laundry. Yeah. <laughs> let's get <laughs> let, 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 Let's get to it here. I'm here all week, people. Yeah. That, Keep that's, your waitress on the way out. You know, I, I I really do think that when you see the reactions from those guys on Saturday, you could even see it in the second half. I don't maybe panic or is not the right word, but I think just shock at what was happening because it just never. They tried to flip the switch and couldn't. It, it it never entered their frame of mind that they could possibly lose that football game, and that's a mistake. But clearly, to me, that's what that looked like, and so now. Um, you start to wonder, man, all these things that, that were done over the offseason, did they help? Or, you know, you start questioning everything. When when something like that happens Saturday, you start to question every single thing that you've done that led to that point. That's how it goes. You think about some of the, the times in your life personally where something happened and you just did not expect it, whether it was some sort of like, you know, relationship ending or you didn't get a grade that you wanted in some class or you didn't get a job you wanted, didn't get a raise. When something that major happens, you sit back and think of everything that led to that point, and you start to kind of get that whole paralysis by analysis thing, and it's a tough place to be in. So I, that's why I'm not giving them a pass for it, but why I understand why it doesn't look, look like they're furious, because I think they were just in shock and disbelief. And I think a lot of us were in some shock and disbelief about that game, but uh, we're going to go to break, step away for a second. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about, now that we've had a couple days to think about this, uh, has anything changed in our minds. So that's that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to go to uh, kick it to some product services, in-house ads, all those good things, and then we'll come back and talk about just what all of this means. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Full crew here at Fort Rucker Studio, Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan working clockwise uh, across this room, which, as Ramey will tell you, has uh, laser-level floors now. So no sloping in this... Uh, 19- I've not confirmed this personally. No, no sloping in this 19th century house anymore, at least not in this room. I need Some to get out rooms. one of these Bridgestone lady golf balls and roll it on the floor. That's because see. my wife yeah, plays golf. Okay. Likely story. She actually has a hole-in-one, so you, sh- you put some respect on that name. How many hole-in-ones you got? No comment. <laughs> there were so many. Make a real juvenile joke oh, right there, there but I'm going to so skip many, it and there keep were going to the so next so many one. places for that to go. As we talked about, <laughs> I really, as soon as I started saying that, I thought, yep. oh, this is going to, we're going to yep. have to delete this. Put that one but, back. But we don't. We, uh, put we, that ninja back in the dojo. <laughs> that ninja needs to go back in the dojo real quickly, <laughs> Sensei. Uh Speaking of uh, some some awkward things, that game on Saturday very awkward, uh, and I think I, we just spoke about this a lot about you know the the shock of this the the sort of just failure to grapple what it was that happened in that game. And we recorded our podcast on I believe Monday afternoon. Uh, you know, normally we're going to do those on Monday mornings, but we did it on Monday afternoon, Labor Day, all that other stuff. So we've had, I guess a couple more days now to think about this game and go back and watch some stuff. Does anything that happened in that game now make more sense than it did the last time we were in the studio talking? No, I mean, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense that they just, like we talked about, whatever day that was, Monday, just didn't show up, tried to flip a switch by the time it was too late and realized that maybe they're not as good as they think. I mean, how long has it been since this program's played a, a game like Georgia State to open the season where you just thought you could roll out the footballs and win it. Yeah, that's true. Been, it's, it's been a minute. It's been a while since they had a true maybe bowling green, which predates basically yeah. everyone on this roster. And, and even, that was, even that was kind of seen as and a dangerous team. That was a, that team. Was a Dino Babers team, and you, you had Oklahoma the next week. I think, I mean, just like us, uh, we never really gave it a second thought what well, would happen Saturday. Well, I mean, they, they've played some of these kind of mundane. Not that that's an excuse, uh, They've obviously. They've played some of these kind of mundane games where they just kind of I don't say slept walk through them, but you know the, the UTEP game last year, the Charlotte game, those are games they didn't play very well. Um, but at the same time, they still were never really, at, you know, in danger of losing those games at really any point. I mean, Charlotte right. was fourteen to set, fourteen to three, but it was fourteen to three early. They had a backup quarterback. They weren't really doing much on offense. So, uh, and Charlotte had more draft picks in the twenty nineteen NFL draft than Tennessee did, by the way. Correct. Um, so very, very true. <clears throat> you know so. But, yeah, I mean, I guess they thought they could flip, flip a switch. And something that uh, – I can't remember which one of you pointed this out, but um, – Probably me if it was it a probably good point. Was, It probably was you. Um, but just the way that this team and this program have sort of – I don't want to say wilted, but when something bad happens, it seems like lately this, this group has gone into a shell. Yep. And that, may be, that might be the biggest thing that, um, that they have to fix culture – wise or big picture wise because and i thought auburn last year could have been a turning point there because they had had some adversity it got loud there and they had to come back and make some plays and they were able to do that so you thought that might have been a turning point but clearly wasn't yeah and that game might have been more about auburn kind of screwing the pooch than than tennessee i think that's fair to say i'm saying that tennessee didn't win that game but uh they got some help that day but um yeah i mean the south carolina game last year that was a game where they had it in control and they didn't they didn't respond in the moment after South Carolina came back on them. So, uh, and then in this game in the fourth quarter, they just capitulated. I think they just, they made bad coaching mistakes. We've talked about them on Monday, some of the substitution stuff. Yep. Uh, just, you know, 
turnovers, you know, they, they just, they never, once, once it got out of their grasp, they didn't, they didn't kind of come back. And they, so that's they, something yeah, that no touchdown touchdowns, no touchdowns and, in the red zone, basically. And that's you something know, that, that just Pru- bad stuff. And that's something that Pruitt has talked about. And, and we should say that, you know, they had a turnover on the second play of the game and then came back and scored on their next, what, two drives, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, they did. They led in every point. quarter. They led in every quarter for at least a bit. But they just, I, I just wonder, and Pruitt kind of talked about this on Monday is that, you know, the good teams, um, you know, when, when adversity hits, they find a way to, to make a play to get the momentum back. And you thought, Maybe the DeAndre Johnson play. Um, you know, I think at that, at that point I, in the game, I, I thought they won the think, game there. That, I think it was in the moment. I thought they had just won the game. It was a twenty-one to twenty. George State was up twenty-one twenty. They yep. were driving. They make that play. They they get that turnover. They get the big play to Dominic Wood Anderson. They're in the red zone right away. But by the, which, by the way, how does he get caught there? That kind of was like a low key play that turned out to be pretty big. Yeah, the, good I, point. Well, the, I will say I watched that play. The the defensive back took a really good angle, which Tennessee did not do. He all day still long. almost stayed in bounds. But but he he still just that 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 guy took a really really smart angle, and because he had to make that decision pretty quickly to go and get his angle smaller. right and get him, and he did. And he's think, probably 180, 190 pounds. Think guy you mean that. he leveraged the football? He leveraged the football. He, that guy's probably Love faster. That guy's probably faster than Dominic Wood Anderson. So I'm not I'm not throwing Dom under the bus by any stretch, but. Dom Woods, because um, he's still he's still on, he got shoved pretty good and he's still on a state of bounds. But yep. um, you know, but that play turned out to be pretty big because they didn't they didn't punch in uh, with the, another third down fiasco. But um, th- at that point, you thought they were gonna kind of play themselves out of it, and then they didn't have they didn't take advantage of that situation, and and then Georgia State came back on them, and they didn't from that point on they just kind of folded. That is the kind of play we talked about that after the game. I think that is the kind of play that you see teams like Georgia State often give up to the to the favorite. And that sort of just changes the game, and you know the, the favorite becomes the favorite again, and and they go on and just put the game away. And yeah, to, to Georgia State's credit, they didn't do it. Hey, we even debated amongst ourselves at the time whether Tennessee should kick the field goal there to go up two. Wes and I thought it was the right call. I but, said they had. I, yeah. I still I still don't think that was the wrong decision no. because you got to take those points. Yeah, and, and that's not what lost in the game. Let's face it, they lost essentially by fifteen. But they they got you know. <laughs> got back on, on defense and didn't make some plays and then had turnovers that, that responded to that. So, yeah, they just kind of – once Georgia State – I think Georgia State answering to start the third quarter was huge, and obviously their scoring drive right after the field goal there was was big to, to answer Tennessee every time they, they were down. And, and, you know, we always talk about these, like, anatomy of an upset or whatever, what what these underdog and these underman teams have to do to stay in games. And Georgia State did a lot of those things. They only had one turnover. Uh, they got turnovers. I think they scored 17 points off of Tennessee's three turnovers. Uh, they didn't have a lot of penalties, um, and so they they did a lot of the things you have to do to kind of stay in the game. And in the second half, they really controlled the ball. I think at one point they had almost double the plays that Tennessee had. So um, when you're able to do that and shorten the game, you can keep yourself in the game. And they kind of followed uh, the blueprint that maybe a lot of teams have. But I don't think that makes it any easier for Tennessee to take because, uh, as we discussed the other the other day, they just made so many mistakes, just so many mistakes, starting from you know the coach staff on the sideline, players on the field. Uh, and when you have a loss like this, it's not just like one thing the guy you beat. It's a lot of things, and it was a lot of things, and a lot of things that still, frankly, don't make a lot of sense because you know Tennessee had a lot of good reason you know to feel good about itself going into this into this first game. And, and Jeremy Pruitt's been adamant this week. He said, you know, we didn't have a crappy week of practice. We had a good week of yeah. practice. We had a good camp. Felt good about where we were. And then uh, the way he kind of said it on Wednesday Wednesday night was, we just you know. Didn't execute. We didn't take it from practice to 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 the game, and that's he admitted. You know that that's where it counts. It you can practice as well. You can practice as good as you want all the time, but unless you go out and play like it, it doesn't really matter. And this is where Grant's supposed to be like giving me the practice line. <laughs> What's the practice line? 
Just, the AI line? Just go on. Just go on. <laughs> well, I'm not in Allen Iverson's mind frame right now. We, oh, we, sorry. No, uh, go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, not to not to turn the attention too much to BYU and everything going forward, but one of that's, the... Because that's, that's not, not the next thing on the list. There's one more thing before that. There's the list. Follow the list. Well, go ahead with that then, because I, I have thought that it's more... I just want to know how many more what ninjas are left in the dojo. Uh, there's still a few left. Run, running out, though. Still, the, the past few years have really hurt the credibility of the dojo in general. I mean, between but, Eli Wolf and, and Jordan Murphy alone, those are... Couple big, are there big any local uh, karate studios that we could get to sponsor the <laughs> the ninja segment? Uh, I should think about that actually. Brought to you by the uh, Dwight Schrute, Old North Knoxville Taekwondo the du- Studio, <laughs> the, the the Dwight the Dwight Schrute Dojo, uh, his his gym of of muscles. But no, I, I think that this is what we talk about leadership and and when these things matter and when they don't matter. And I think it really doesn't surprise anyone or it shouldn't surprise anyone that the one Tennessee football player who very publicly has come out and said how unacceptable that performance was, was Jawan Jennings. And he was a guy who, when you go break it down, uh, actually did play a very good football game at, on Saturday. He played great. He had eight targets and seven of those were caught for 108 yards and a touchdown. He moved the chain several times. He made a lot of catches in traffic. Had a lot of yak yards. A lot of yak yards, which for him has never been his strong suit, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, especially after those knee injuries. So th- there's a lot of... He's, he's traded speed for needing tell, like five guys to take him down. Yeah. Basically, tell, yeah. Tell that to tease Taper, though. He ran ran past him, right? Oh, that was before some of those injuries. on his grave already. <laughs> but no, I, I think that he came out and said that is a leader on the team. And he alternated between saying a leader and the leader. He did say both things at, j- at different times on that transcript. But uh, when we were, we were speaking to him, a bunch of us were sitting around there talking to him. And he said that the he mentioned what we talked about on this podcast earlier in the week, that there just wasn't enough juice overall in the team that day. And Juwan Jennings took that personally because he feels like this is his football team. And he went out there and did it himself. And as Jeremy Pruitt said, if the rest of the guys would just play the way Juwan Jennings plays every day, they'd be in a better place. Uh, but they're not. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that in that Sunday meeting, there was a lot of talk from Juwan Jennings, I'm guessing, because he came out and pretty much admitted to us on Tuesday that um, the, a lot of things. He said basically that wasn't good enough and it wasn't going to happen again. There will be so many books written or could be about Juwan Jennings' career. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. He went from the catch at Georgia 2016. Don't forget the catch against Florida. Well, I'm getting there. To losing to Georgia well, State that, at home that happened, 2019. That happened before, but it never did. mind. And yes. the, the, big, the big touchdown catch against Auburn down there, too. I mean, Wait, just, well, Oh, yeah. that uh, Yes, I forgot all about that. that. He made a big play there. I mean, he, he's been a big play machine throughout and his career. And the, then the stuff on Thanksgiving with the old staff or the interim staff, uh, the, what was that, Instagram Live? Where, where he did not say it in the most eloquent way imaginable, but he did speak truth. That Tom West had to work on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah, that was regrettable I think, reasons. I think for uh, for later in the season, before his final home game, we need to we need to dig up the actual transcript of, of his video. I'm sure Wes, you, I think he wrote that story. You still have that somewhere, right? Yeah, I, ha- I have it. Uh, the, the actual transcript, the like actual transcript of the video, which 24 seven sports uh, <laughs> desk was like, uh, we're going to have to find a different way to do this because this is uh, this is <laughs> not going to work. So we had to figure out a way to cleverly edit that to to, to get the point across. But I mean, it, it's just we when, should we should do that out as a. Uh, it's like a memoir for his senior game. Yeah, you know the the best day. the best thing I can say about Jawan Jennings is, and you've heard some former Tennessee players say this. At least I have when I've talked to some of them that for from when Tennessee was good, those guys, they, they've said that point blank that there aren't many guys who have played in the program in the past ten years or so who would have fit right in on their teams in terms of the way they played the game, their mentality, their aggressiveness, their instincts, just their cutthroat ability, their their ability to make huge plays in big spots and win games. 
And they have all consistently across the board said Juwan Jennings would fit right in on any of those football teams. And it's a shame. Uh, but on the other hand, this is going to be a, a really, really less than memorable stretch of Tennessee's football history. Um, but even during that moment, there will be some players who will, will be remembered fondly. And I think people from the outside looking in, fans of this program, know just how much basically this kid has been screwed by ineptitude around him that had nothing to do with him. Because this is a just a special playmaker who does big things, and he, he goes out there and he talks the talk, and he walks the walk, and uh, does what he's going to say. He's gonna, says what he um, does what he says he's going to do. Uh, he, he, he's a, a special guy in some ways, and it's a shame that they're kind of wasting this. And, and Pruitt said what I think a lot of people have thought about Juwan is that you want a team full of guys like that. Yes. Now, you can't have 85 guys like that because then you'd get so many personal fouls yeah, and sportsmanlike penalties. There'd probably be a lot of fights in practice. You wouldn't awesome. get a lot done. There would be blood every day on the, <laughs> on the floor of the XFL locker room. Game. But you, <laughs> yeah. but you, need, you need a core of these guys like Juwan. Um, and this is a guy that Pruitt said you know, on Wednesday night that – when they were trying to kind of manage him when he was coming off an injury, uh, they gave him like, okay, you know, they measure how much guys run and practice and workouts and they're, they're trying to keep him limited and he would go way over the number that they gave him. Um, and so this, this is a guy that just, he loves football. He loves this university. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be out here losing to Georgia state in his senior year. That's not how he wanted um, Saturday to go, but uh, and he came out and, and vowed that he would make sure that they have a lot more energy and, and are not going to, kind of fall short in that uh department again and and certainly if if you're a teammate of this guy i don't know how i, I don't know how you go about yourself with you know tr- it would be a goal of mine not to let him down if he was if he was a teammate yeah if he was on the go balls 24 7 staff i would be in fear of of letting him down on yeah i am the Juwan jennings of the go balls 247 staff <laughs> no you're ah, not that's an i am that, the dog that's an interesting comparison i never would have thought of that but, i ripple y'all I, on instagram live all the time <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody watches. I, I, I just, I really do kind of feel for this guy because some of the problems that he's had in his career um, have been his own fault, things he said that he shouldn't have and some of those other things. Uh, but the injury is not his fault and the way that he's fought back from all that and the, the fact that the, the guys around him aren't consistently motivated by what he does is surprising to me. Uh, maybe he was just so focused on going out there and playing well that, that he didn't stop and see the big picture and try to get the team a little more fired up. But something's got to change there. You know, I'm not one of these guys who thinks you have to be all rah-rah all the time to win. You can just go about your business and do it right, and you can get better, and you can win football games. But you need some guys like Jawan Jennings in the mix, and uh, I think it's interesting that he came out and basically said he puts that on himself when he was one of the few guys who played well. And I think that says a lot about him, and we'll see how much. And it speaks volumes that he's the only guy that's talked that any fan has responded to. Saying, yeah, yep, I can respect that or you know, get behind that or whatever. Everybody else just kind of rolls their eyes at whatever else is said. Cause they Even see, if it's from the head coach. And they see no matter what happens out there throughout the week, that dude on Saturday is going to show up and he's going to well, play football well, and he's going to make plays. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, we, as, I, as I've said, that, you know, all the talk this week doesn't matter. But when Jawan says something, you're, you're, you tend to listen to it because you feel like he's going to back up what he says because he's done it for most of his career. So you, you, you know that guy's going to play hard. He played hard on Saturday. You couldn't, I don't think you could say that uh, about a lot of the guys on the team. I, I don't know that a lack of energy is maybe why they lost, uh, but it certainly didn't help. Um, and so, but that, that was one guy who, you know, 
you, you know, nobody could, could complain about kind of how he played mm-hmm. and what he what he gave and, and how he, you know, produced and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I spoke to somebody on Wednesday um, who's covered Saban for several years and has covered several Saban practices and, and spoke with him about just sort of what the average Saban practice looks like in terms of what the vibe around the complex is. Because, I mean, we've all covered games where Nick Saban's been the coach. We've all interviewed Nick Saban. I mean, we, we know we've been around this guy, but we don't, we've never covered him on a daily basis. Uh, and basically what I heard was a very accurate description of the way Tennessee's football practices go. You don't see a lot of guys yelling over speakers. You don't see a lot of guys just hooping and hollering for no reason. They're out there to get their business done, to get better. Uh, Saban is very clearly the one in charge, and they're kind of going about their business and trying to get better at football. They're not doing window dressing out there. So that gave me some more context because I've been worried at times watching practice recently about saying, you know what, some of that crap butch did. I never want to see that again. But sometimes it's good to kind of get a spirit or vibe about the guys going into practice. And they've just kind of been business like going about their business. It looked like they did some. It looked like they did something on uh, Tuesday. I, I think they put it on on the IG. Like so, uh, some Oklahoma drill or something like that. It looked like I'm not on IG, but I saw it. IG's Instagram. It's by the possible. Way. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember. so so I think that they. And, and, and but you said you live that Instagram live life, so I thought you might know. I do, but you're I'm, looking at Instagram right now. I'm not very smart because y- y'all know. I mean, I'm sure you've had Tennessee fans. We've had fans on our board ask this question: like, do they have a sense of urgency? Because it looks like they're kind of just going about their business every day. And I think that's a fair question. But I think the bottom line is, these guys are never going to be about that. If you want the flash, if you want the hot sauce, these are not going to be your guys. They're going to go out there. They're football coaches. They want to get guys better at football, and they want to go out there and execute on Saturday. I mean, that's what they want to do. It's always when you lose games. It's we've spent a week, us fans, everybody picking apart every possible angle of this, splitting every possible hair. People hated Butch when he was losing because he was on the sideline turning purple and going crazy and losing his mind, and people were saying Correct. Just, and telling the fans to expletive well, off. Yeah, it's a different. Story, but even when he was those and times when he would turn purple and off the lose his mind, and those crazy pictures would get taken of him, people would complain, say, "Coach your football team, get your head in the game. You can't be, you know, doing all this and, stuff." And now and they when, want to see Jeremy Pruitt right, kick whiteboards again. When Pruitt's not, you know, kicking the whiteboard or, or doing something crazy like that, you know, there's complaints that is this guy invested? Does he? Re- I mean, all these people involved in the program want to win football games. If not, they wouldn't be there. I mean, they put so much into this. You won't. You do it because you want to win football games. I think that's probably... And if they win Saturday, then you'll get back on track a little bit. Yeah, and, and that, I get that sense that that game on, on Saturday is going to be one that we're going to remember as a time where they sort of hit the bottom and then came back up, or we're going to remember it as a time where... It was the beginning mm, of the end. Yeah, I mean, that's... It seemed like that was a, a sea change one way or the other at some point. I think we're going to be able to go back and when you're kind of writing the book of this, of Pruitt's time at Tennessee, whether it's two years, three years, 10 years, 20 years, wherever it is, we're going to look back and, and that's going to be a chapter into in and of itself, that one game. Saturday could be too. I think Saturday is a fork in the road for this program in a could lot be, of ways. It could turn into Trend City or yeah, uh, that was just a one-off kind of. Yeah. And we've teased this, so we'll go ahead and get into this now talking about BYU. Also, because hang on, time out. Is Saturday not Checker Neyland? No, that they I abandoned that. Yeah, they that, did. Apparently, did they do it last year? They did not. I don't know. I saw it on social media a little bit, but didn't Tennessee yeah. like push it in the past? They well, the there was one official account. One time it happened, and they didn't even promote it. Um, so they, I thought that was like the first or second time. Uh, no, like the last time they did it, I think. And that then, thing, that thing needed to go the way of the dodo. <laughs> yeah, last year they decided <laughs> the to dojo. get rid of it. 
Like, no, not the dojo. The dodo. These guys aren't about the gimmicks. They just they just don't. They're not about say, that. The only thing worse than losing to Georgia State would be losing to BYU in front of a half-hearted. Well, I was going to say that. Attempt. That's where I would want to make I sure just, I just a don't game get, is sold out before you do it. I just don't. Wanna, I just don't understand why people want to keep doing it. I don't buy it's it. lost its novelty. Nah. It, look, it looks cool. It's it a great cool. marketing tool. Oklahoma, but they, Oklahoma did a white out of their stadium Sunday night, and Houston was the team wearing white. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That uh, anyway, when you try to put that together, that, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I think at all. it's great, and it markets your program when you're otherwise not a ranked team right now. But other, but still, yeah, you got to sell out. It's a great and, opportunity to take header photos for your Twitter profile. That too, yeah. But yeah. you don't you don't want to have it and okay. then have fifteen thousand. Say by the bell. Time so. back in. Yeah, I think that that we need to discuss this BYU team because they're they're playing. We it's forty minutes into this and we haven't brought up BYU yet. We need to we need to discuss the the Cougs. Uh, very interesting team, a, a team that has a, a pretty dynamic, exciting quarterback who makes a lot of plays, also makes some mistakes like a lot of those kind of dual threat quarterback guys do. But Zach Wilson, if you don't know his name now, I guarantee you'll you'll know it Saturday. He, he's an interesting playmaker. Let's uh let's let's take a moment and. I don't want to say pray, but let's have a, a thought for Bob Kessling. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> he's going to have a whale of a time trying to pronounce some of these names that BYU's got. Yeah. The, Fortunately the, for him, the quarterback's name is pretty easy to pronounce. Yes. Um, and I'm sure. Mormon Manzo. And, and I'm sure. And I'm sure Bob would laugh about this too, and he's probably dreading it, and would be a good sport about it because that's who he is. But yeah, yeah, I, th- I think they have two media guides. One's the regular 256 page or whatever media guide, and the other one's the 256 page pronunciation guide. Uh, because when you go look at that roster. It's, the head coach has a cool name, Kalani Sataki. That's yeah, a cool name. That is a cool name. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an interesting team because that those guys, you know, they didn't always play that BYU-Utah game at the beginning of the year. In the past, they played it in November other times. But this year, for whatever reason, they scheduled it to start the year. And so that is like putting a Super Bowl – because those guys, they don't play in a conference anymore. They went independent like Notre Dame's done. So they're not p- ever playing for a conference championship. They wanted to go because of their kind of nationwide Mormon fan base. They wanted to have a, d- a separate kind of TV deal in their own network so they, their fans around the country could see them instead of just being buried in like a Mountain West or whatever it was uh, kind of schedule with their, with their kind of lackluster TV network area there. So they financially have reaped the benefits of doing some of this stuff, but there are there are problems when you do things like that, and that's that you're never playing for a conference title. So if you don't get to the playoff or you don't get to a big six or you know one of those group of six games, whatever it is, you, you're having a bad year or you're having just kind of a mediocre year. But that makes games like Utah, like that's like putting their Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. And it was a great atmosphere, a great crowd. Uh, that's one of the funniest rivalries in all of college sports because you see a lot of clever uh, posters that don't have any curse words in them, but they're still really nasty digs at each other. Um, they're, it's funny. Um, they call it the Holy War. And if you call it the Holy War, then you better, by God, have five fights during the game. Unintended. You better have fights during that game. And, and they did. The by God part. Yeah. But here <laughs> is, that's why I said it. Here is. Okay. That's not why you okay. said it. A hundred percent is. I made that joke earlier on social media. and go back and look at it. Oh, it boy. is true. Somebody is defensive tonight. Yeah. No, I'm just, who, who, I am putting out facts right now. Who are you trying to uh, convince, us or yourself? Well, you'll never be convinced because you can't comprehend things. But when you look at. Comprehended this, a great pun just now. But the look you got on your face when Stopped you figured it tracks. out was, You can't see my face. I we covered this right early. Here, right there here. I backed away from the microphone. And you're, you, you, you best, let me put the, you best by God believe I saw I'm it. I'm forever your Ed McMahon on the end of the couch. When you look at <laughs> this, this, this game. Did you say Jim McMahon? Uh, no, him too. He struts in like that, yeah. The, uh, when you look at that game, 
that's like you talk about the low Tennessee's at right now. There's different kinds of lows. BYU, that's like putting the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, like the Daytona 500, and then you lose it. And that, that's 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 got to have an impact on them because they can't play for a conference title. They've already lost to their biggest rival. So you're going to have to motivate those guys well, going forward. You can also look at it as they, they've been in a big game. Right. They've been in that big atmosphere, whereas obviously Tennessee lost. Uh, but Tennessee played in front of 75,000 Saturday in a kind of a, a sleeper atmosphere where they messed around and got beat. Uh, but obviously that's not the case for, for Utah and BYU that played on Thursday night, sellout crowd, all that atmosphere you're talking about. Wasn't much atmosphere in the second half, though, when Utah started true. dominating. But, but still, it, it was a bigger game atmosphere than Tennessee-Georgia State, even though Tennessee didn't show up for that atmosphere. It's it's I, I, kept, I was watching that game, and I didn't think – it was hard to take much away from it because what Utah does on offense is different from what Tennessee does on offense. And BYU had so little discipline um, that it was shocking. Yeah, and, and you know, it was kind of a case of turnovers. You know, Tennessee didn't help themselves with turnovers, and BYU had uh, a couple of pick sixes that gave Utah just 14 points. And, um, and Utah pretty much won the game with those two plays and a lot of Zach Moss, who will be a familiar name for Tennessee fans because Tennessee had a chance to get him. And, Ryan, if you want to get back in the recruiting time capsule and – Tell us who they uh, took, who Butch Jones took over Zach Moss. Uh, that was Trey Coleman. Um, that worked out. Turned out, yeah. That, uh, not the best eval. Um, but there. but yeah, I mean, the thing about BYU is that they're always pretty good on defense. They oh, don't. No. I'm sorry, that's not correct. That was the year uh, that they only signed Carlin oh, Fields yeah, and me, and, and they got the running back late. They right? added Jeremy Jeremy um, Banks, Lewis Lewis oh. late. I couldn't think of his last yeah. name. Yeah, he lasted like five whole months. Yeah, um, so they, they yeah. sort of they sort of chose between Moss and other positions uh, down the stretch. Uh, but anyways, he's probably uh, working at a Best Buy somewhere now. They chose between they chose between Moss and the portal. <laughs> but they picked the portal. Uh, but BYU, they you know they're going to be big on defense um, up front. I think one of their starters is like three hundred forty pounds. So they got some big boys up front. Um, they'll have some big guys up front, and, and they're kind of one of those defenses that don't really have a bunch of stars. Uh, either recruiting or guys that are you know going to be you know NFL high draft picks, but they they play really well together and they all kind of do their jobs. They don't give up a lot of big plays and um, and so Utah just kind of you know killed them by a thousand paper cuts on on offense last week. So uh, and, and then offensively they kind of go as as their quarterback Zach Wilson does. Now he's capable of going eighteen of eighteen for three fifty and a bunch of touchdowns like he did in their bowl game, or he can um, kind of throw themselves out of games. He's kind of got that sort of, I don't want to say gunslinger, but that's kind of what it is. So, um, but you know, they're, they're experienced on the offensive line. And, and that was kind of my thought going into this game before these openers happened and they both lost that, you know, what BYU had on the line, the scrimmage could make it tough for, for Tennessee tougher than people probably thought. And, and I still think that, and, and Tennessee's going to have to respond both on the offensive and defensive lines to, um, to have a chance to win this game because they're going to have to play better in the trenches than they did against Georgia State. And now, now to the point that I was wanting to make earlier. Uh, well, I'll allow it. Well, I was just going to say, I, I'm really interested. We haven't talked about this much. I, I'm really interested in seeing Ty Chandler's role in this game. Uh, I think that was a, a maybe an underplayed storyline to Saturday. Do you want to win? Give him about 15, 20 touches minimum if yeah. you want to win. I mean, we saw this last year. You know, Jer- hold on to the football, though. Yeah, Jeremy Banks – uh, I mean, people have bad games. Is he still one of the best playmakers? Head coaches like Jeremy Pruitt, though, they're defensive minded. They hate turnovers in general. And I think Jeremy Pruitt is, I mean, that's most coaches pretty much. But um, yeah, Bush Jones loved him. He was a big fan. Yeah, he but, had a turnover trash can. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, 
ball security is a big deal to Jeremy Pruitt. And, and I think we saw that with Jeremy Banks' use on offense last year and, and their willingness to put him on defense because it wasn't working out ball security-wise. And, and they just straight up pulled Chandler from the game essentially Saturday after his second fumble. So does he just go right back into playing – playing the lead role does does Eric Gray get most of the carries Saturday that's uh, I'll be fascinated I think on on one hand they have no choice but to use him uh, because they're down to two or three healthy running backs right now but on the other hand does he go right back into the role he had going into the season opener if he doesn't that's going to be something that is going to be second guessed quite a bit I would imagine because I mean you've already lost one game when you scored two touchdowns offensively until the final two seconds and then um, they need all the plays they can they can get in this game, obviously. And and Ty Chandler's a guy who's shown he can at least make plays when he's holding onto the ball. Yeah, my breakdown of, of BYU, and after talking with Jeff Hansen, who covers uh, BYU for the twenty four seven Sports Network, uh, the basically the breakdown I got was Wilson's a very dynamic player who um, occasionally will make mistakes, but he also makes a lot of big plays, and he kind of is hard to hard to get a handle on if you're you know if you're trying to get him on the ground defensively, he, he wiggles around, he makes plays, he's Sometimes he looks really, really impressive, and sometimes he just he just doesn't. Um, but he's he's an exciting player. Uh, they have a very, very good tight end, Bushman. He's a guy who um, makes a lot of one-handed catches. He, he's good blocking. He's good running routes and catching. He's their most dangerous pass catcher. Receivers pretty pedestrian. Offensive line kind of inconsistent. Uh, but the running back will be a name that a lot of y'all know. Uh, Tyson Williams, who started his career at North Carolina, then played at South Carolina. Uh, had 13 carries for 34 yards and one touchdown for South Carolina last season against Tennessee. So he's going to be a name that you know. He's a 20-touch a guy probably for BYU is what they want from him most weeks. Uh, and then defensively, they're they're big in some areas like up front, but the linebackers aren't that big. The defensive backs aren't that big. Uh, but what they do that could bother Tennessee is they're very, very multiple on defense. They'll go from like being a base four three to one week to a base three four the next week. They're apparently very smart defensively, and what they do is they don't their pass rush is pedestrian at best. It's not very dynamic, so that's good for Tennessee. The bad news is uh, for Tennessee, they show a lot of different looks, but then they break down into a lot of cover three, and they try to keep everything in front of them, and they take a bet that you're not going to be able to drive 12, 14 plays into the end zone, that you're going to get a turnover somewhere in there, that you're going to you know, get a penalty that puts you behind the sticks, then you have to punt. They're going to want you to beat them. Live and die by the big play. Yeah, they're, they're going to... Which you need playmakers to make. Yes, so they're going to they're gonna put you in a position where they're going to try to kind of suffocate the game a little bit and kind of bleed it out so that's basically what their plan is uh, they have a pretty good punter and kicker uh, but the return game is non-existent so so they're they're a, a decent team uh, who had who played a, a playoff contender in their first game so hey you're going to lose those games sometimes but uh, that's just how it goes but I think this is a team that is more than good enough to come into Neyland Stadium and beat Tennessee and that was the case even before Saturday you know this is a game that the line started off at four this offseason or this summer and it dropped to three pretty quickly so uh, this, this was not a game where Tennessee was going to be a heavy favorite, and, and now that they've lost to Georgia State, I, I certainly think it's even easier to envision Tennessee losing this game. But, yeah, this this is a one Tennessee's going to have to be on, on guard uh, and, and ready to play from, from the start. And, uh, you know, I, 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 if Tennessee doesn't get the message by now that, that they have no margin for error or very little margin for error and that they're going to have to come ready to play against, Zero. Yeah, against everyone that's, that's even a little bit capable of hanging with them, um, then, then they'll never get the message. But I, clearly this has got to be a Tennessee team that's ready to play Saturday compared to what we saw uh, this past weekend. Every, every game is a must-win, kind of, in theory. Yeah. But, but, I mean, this – we talked about that on Monday. I mean, if you, you lose this game, you, you got a half-full stadium on the 14th against Chattanooga for a noon kickoff. I mean, that's 
like reality. That's not exaggeration. There, there might be fifty thousand people there. There and, might not and, be a great crowd there anyway. And who could blame? That's true too. I mean, you had seventy. What the announced crowd was eighty-seven, I think, for the season opener, uh, and that's tickets sold, not butts and seats. But that's a whole different conversation. It's as must win as you're going to get. I mean, we we were talking before the season, kind of joking, like if they lose that BYU game, that's kind of like an early disaster. Uh, and here we are uh, talking about Georgia State all week. Yeah, and, and I think that if you're wanting our picks on this game, you're going to have to wait until Friday and go to the website, GoVols247.com. We'll have our picks on there. But I'll tell you right now, uh, as of the time we're recording this podcast, I am leaning uh, a tad toward picking BYU in this game. I just think that – I'm going to do whatever you don't do. <laughs> I was going to say, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I think at least one of us is going to pick BYU to win this game. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I – I might change my mind before then, but right now as we record this, I'm leaning toward BYU just because I think that's a closer to a complete football team. I, I see how this is going to go. Wes is going to say right now that he's leaning, but then he's going to actually pick Tennessee so he can sort of play both sides. Because I'm the one here who does that. <laughs> that's definitely me. I'm definitely the one who never has an opinion. That's definitely me. I have an opinion. What is it? Let's go to the next segment. It's a good idea. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to step back. We're going to get to the questions, as we try to always do for our Thursday morning podcast. So we're going to step away, pay some bills, be back in just one second. Hashtag. Ah. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast. We've got the full crew in the house here. Fort Rucker Studio, Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan. As we try to always do on these uh, these Thursday podcasts, we're going to turn it over now to some questions that we got on the board. Uh, I think we got enough this week on the GoVols 24-7 checkerboard that we do not need to use social media, but there are times where we will use social media. So uh, we'll get to the questions again, and we're going to see some familiar names on this, guys. Get You'll never guess who had the first question. Um, there are a few candidates. Blake that. Digits. Ah, there we go. Blake oh. Digits. Uh, we've already talked about this a little bit, but we, we're, we're going to try to answer these. We're going to rapid fire through them here. He, he question is, thoughts on the Jordan Murphy transfer? Will the Georgia State loss bring this team together to have a decent season, or will it tear the team apart and lead to a bad year? And will we see less rotating on the offensive line in the middle of drives games? That's like a six for one there. Yeah, we've already we've already answered all of them except for the last one, but the last one's a really good question, so I think we'll we'll head there. Uh, they're still going to rotate, guys. I don't know if it's going to be ten or, or whatever it's going to be, but Jeremy Pruitt has said all week long, and he's had several chances to say they're going to change this, and he has not said he's going to change it. Basically, uh, I think you might see maybe one personnel tweak change in there for the starting lineup, but I think guys are going to play. I mean, you got to find your five. You got to expedite that process. I mean, if 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 this was something that worked, more people in college football would do it. But it's not the case. 
I, he's he's I, not tipping his hand, I think, is what he's doing. I think it's being a little bit overplayed, honestly. If they had won Saturday, yeah. I don't think anybody would be complaining about it. It would have been like, oh, we got so much depth in the offensive line. So good. Um, so and, and I still think they're kind of looking for five guys to emerge. And, you know, it, they didn't really get a whole lot of that against Georgia State. Pruitt did say that Brandon Kennedy and Jameer Johnson and Darnell Wright were there a little bit better than the rest of the guys. They said they all had good moments. So uh, I don't know that they'll play nine, but I think they could still rotate and – you know, uh, they whoever's in the game, they need to play better on the offensive line anyway. That it doesn't really matter, um, kind of who is in. They just they need to get they need to get those guys in there. And we should point out too that Trey Smith has been kind of uh, going to the to work on the side of practice during team periods when we've been leaving. So uh, he it looks like he's still a little bit up in the air for Saturday too. Next question from uh, HBA nineteen eighty nine said, uh, "Do y'all think the staff put too much emphasis on gaining weight and getting stronger overall?" Uh, over actual conditioning, cardio, and stuff like that. Uh, Tennessee physically looked better but seemed to tire very quickly in that first game. Thoughts? Yeah. I don't think Craig Fitzgerald's the problem. I don't, I don't, no. I, I don't think that's I need, I need to see that happen multiple times. Right. I'm, uh, just because Sean, uh, what's his name? Elliot. Elliot said it uh, after the game. I don't think that's the reason they lost that game. No. I think it was shock that led to some of that more. Right. Than... I, need, I need to see this become a trend before it's like, okay, get this guy out of here. Because, I mean, they've talked so glowingly about him from players to coaches to, you know, and everybody talks about the strength coach uh, I mean, in, in a good fashion until he's out the door. But I still don't think it's an issue. No. And I, and I think, I think the lack of depth in some places or, yeah. or lack of, lack of good players in some places might be an issue. Right. But I don't think the, I don't think their strength and conditioning department, I think that's a plus for them right now, not a minus. Yeah. If anything, maybe it's guys who hadn't played in that kind of role before, you know, playing extensively after being part time players last year or just, you know, true freshmen in some cases playing a lot for the first time in their college careers. So uh, I, there could be multiple explanations for that, but I don't think strength and conditioning is an issue. Question from Gaffney VFL 89. She said, who are y'all's favorite NFL teams and why? Ryan would be the Titans. Grant would be the Bears. Uh, Pat just is whoever plays the Titans because he the, hates Nashville. The, the Memphis Maniacs. And uh, <laughs> I don't really have a favorite NFL team. I like watching, but I I like I the Red Zone channel is what I like. Yeah, the Red Zone channel is, is the best. Team it's, Red Zone. It's the live PD of football. I'm sort of pathetic, and I'll say my fantasy team is usually who the guys that I'm, I'm cheering for on Sundays and Mondays. I'm, I'm really going to miss the Red Zone channel this year as a YouTube TV subscriber. I mean, I, I like watching certain teams play. Obviously, the Saints are fun to watch. Mahomes uh, was like must-see TV last yes, season. Yes, he was. Um, uh, and so the big games, I mean – I got really back. I got back in the NFL last season after a couple of uh, years where I didn't really follow it as but much. But you still just root for whoever's playing the Titans, right? That's not really true. Mm. I'm a Bears fan because my dad had a Bears hat in his closet. You know the one that Clark Griswold wore, the blue, and had the Bears oh, yeah. script in cursive. And I got an Eric Kramer jersey for Christmas one oh, year. Oh boy, here we and, go. And the starter Bears three quarter zip jacket. Oh man, that thing was awesome. That's awesome. Best Christmas ever. Grant's all in his feels right now. Yeah, we never really go. get him in his feels. Go Cubs, go America. Next yeah, question from... Uh, Second place Cubs. Right now, yeah, because the Cardinals are never going to freaking lose again. Not even first in the wild. Here we go. Uh, Gaffney, VFL 89. Uh, one more question. Uh, with Tennessee at 80 scholarship players, do they hit the transfer market really hard this offseason, or will they be able to fill all those spots on the recruiting trail? You want the extra boring, obvious answer? They're going to try to fill it with the best possible kids yeah. they can fill it with. They don't care if it's a transfer or a, a kid out of high school. Uh, there's one question here from uh, Haynes62, and I'm going to throw this out here, and then we're going to have to come back and answer this one in a minute because I don't have the math ready for me uh, on this. Uh, the answer is 40. Uh, what is the average? You're close, actually, Grant, probably. What's the average age of BYU's offensive line? Uh, 40 years old might be close. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's some old guys on that offensive line. We're, we're going to get back to you on that. Some guy, we, we want you all to look that up real quick. 
I can't do that math that quick. They're they, old. They had the date of birth. Move on, on to the they next had, one. They had the date of birth on BYU's roster. I know, but I'm not doing that. That sounds like a job for you, Wes. They're yeah. old. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to the thread I'm and answer this one. I'm the board over here. Here we go. Question from Woody12. Uh, what's your expectation on what the team will look like against BYU? Do you believe the defense gets lined up and plays faster? Saw on Wednesday's observations uh, that Theo Jackson possibly starts instead of Flowers. Is this an indication Flowers struggles learning the concepts as he has the raw tools to be a stud or what? Uh, he really got to put a word count on these. He was going to go – he was going second through drills. So I don't – that that just kind of – That might or might not mean – Might or might not mean anything. I was just kind of throwing it out there. But – uh, what was what was this question again? I'll answer the first question. Uh, what was the in question? One I've... sentence or less. What's your expectation the team will look like against BYU? I would be really surprised if they came out and just fell in their face again. Uh, I'll quote Pruitt good, good when sentence. he got. I got. I'll quote Pruitt when he got asked about if he's going to have chicken skin last year, and I'm going to say no. I ain't got no idea. I have no idea what to expect <laughs> in this game from either BYU or Tennessee. Boy, I think the first couple drives on each uh, for each team in that first quarter are going to be so important because both of those teams. If either one of those teams falls behind by a good bit early, it could get ugly. So, because um, they're both kind of in fragile emotional stages at the time. So, uh, I think that's an interesting thing. I think Patrick's answer is fair, but I I would be surprised if this team doesn't play better. Yeah, you would think it, but more inspired I, at least. You would think that would be the case, but I, I'm I'm not about to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that, that's all. Totally they're back fair. against the wall now. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, and then the thing about Theo Jackson, I think that's possible, but I don't know that answer for sure. I yeah, think that's I, fair. I mean, I, and I'll say this: Traylon Flowers graded out pretty well according to Pro Football Focus, for whatever that's worth. Um, now, Theo Jackson graded out well too. Uh, it was Nigel Warrior actually among the three safeties who played quite a bit who, who graded out the lowest among those guys. So something to keep in mind. But I think you'll see all those guys play. A uh, question from an AF volunteer said: Are we about to enter a recession? <laughs> uh, possibly. I'm not an uh, I'm not an economist though, so I'll let that one go. He said, but still talking uh, money. Uh, Ramey's over there on Hoopsville and Govals 24-7 getting everyone fired up about basketball season uh, and the topic of Barnes making more money per year than Pruitt came up. Uh, emotions about Saturday's loss aside, do you all know if a UT basketball coach has ever out-earned the football coach before Barnes and Pruitt? I think Pearl did make more than Tennessee's current football coach, I think. What year? Uh, I think toward the, toward the tail end of Pearl's tenure. That was 10? Yeah, I think he made more than Kiffin that year. That would make more sense. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he made more than Kiffin. If it's happened before, it's probably only happened once. Yeah, I think he made more than Kiffin, and then we'll see about the Dooley thing. I'm not sure. We'll have to look that up. Uh, East Champs 2015 said, could y'all address the locker room issues? Uh, Pretty much just admitted there had been issues during his vol calls segment. Well, we didn't hear that, so we can't really comment on what he said. We're going to hear that, but we we haven't heard it yet. Haven't heard it yet, so we can't answer it. Uh, but uh, if there are locker room issues, uh, I'll be honest with y'all. You saw what happened on Saturday. Uh, if you think there were zero issues in that locker room, um, I'm the king of England. Th- there were certainly some issues there, or else that would not have happened. There were many things that had to come together to cause uh, an upset like that, and Tennessee having issues was one of those things. So that's pretty clear. Yeah, the locker room issues is such a bland vague statement yeah, I mean, yeah you don't really know what it is they're, they're, i'll tell you this it's much. easy to just be like hey there's that but you don't you know it doesn't mean they all hate each other you've got more than 100 uh college age, age males between 18 and 22 years old who are full of testosterone all the time you're gonna have issues uh, every locker room does so uh, i don't know it's kind of a bland statement i know but i've never seen a locker room that didn't have a single issue it just in football the too many guys uh, there's always something going on uh last question here from p bizzle 23 how many years do you think it would take uh, to build Tennessee back to uh, SEC championship competitive level. 
I'll tell you, with what George is doing right now, it's going to take a while. I mean, you're going to have to recruit on that level, and you're going to have to do it for a couple of cycles. I, I think what we've seen about this roster, I mean, I, I knew this roster. We, we knew it was flawed still, so I think we knew it was a couple of years away. I, I think it's at least two years away from being even ready to challenge a team like Georgia. So SEC championship level, is that the question? I mean, that's... It's going to be a while. Yeah. I, I, mean, I guess I'm, what that's going to say is you're good enough to maybe win the East, and so right. you can get yourself in contention to, to be competitive but, for it. And with what Georgia's doing right now, uh, it's going to take Tennessee right now, unless Georgia starts falling apart in a bad way pretty soon, uh, it would take Tennessee at least a few years, I think, I, to get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm adamant that the way you – you can compete for championships in the SEC if you stack top 15 recruiting classes on top of each other. And this, this staff has got one. They need a couple more to even be in that discussion. So I think at least two, probably three years before they could you know, really be ready to challenge Georgia unless Georgia falls back to the pack somehow. Yeah, I think, and that's and listen, just getting to the championship game right now uh, is one thing. But who those beasts in the in the West right now? I mean, Bama is what it is. Um, Auburn's going to go up there and be pretty good some years, um, really good. A and M under Fisher, they're recruiting really well, and he's always won everywhere he's been. Uh, so that's going to be uh, someone to tangle with also. And then you know, kind of the 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 elephant in the corner there is LSU. Uh, they're always going to recruit at a high level. They're always going to have some scary athletes on that team, and. Every couple of years, it seems like they pop up and they're in the national title picture. So um, it's not going to get any easier. Uh, and if you're Tennessee right now, that that's why a lot of coaches weren't banging down the door to take this job right now because the expectations of Tennessee are what they are. And right now, they're not in a place to legitimately compete. So they're trying to get back there. And whoever's the coach, it's going to take some time. So that's... I mean, and that's not fun, but that's reality. Yeah, and that's one of those things that it's like maybe it's not fun to hear, but you, you kind of need to hear it because uh, it's the truth. Anybody else got anything to add before we step out of here, fellas? I got nothing. No, I think we've we, we've uh, covered a lot of ground here, and we'll have plenty more to discuss early next week after what should be uh, an eventful Saturday night either way. In that case, we'll bring the music back in. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back um, at least by Monday morning, uh, if something else happens before then, breaking news podcasts, they're always a possibility. We're not sure. Uh, but until then, you can go to social media and you can get hear from all of us. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, you can also find all of us on Twitter at twitter.com slash govols247 uh, and facebook.com slash govols247 where Grant does a wonderful job with that you can also uh get all of us if you want to go directly from the hose drink right from the hose govals247.com best site anywhere to cover tennessee athletics football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting baseball lady balls everything lady balls basketball lady balls basketball recruiting lady balls softball all of that will be on govals247.com all of the time you can get 30% off an annual subscription right now. And sometimes when things are at their lowest, that's the best time to jump on in because uh, it makes the uh, makes the good times feel sweeter. But until then, we'll see you all on uh, Monday morning. Pat, any final thoughts? Braves. <laughs>